Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 269, and I think I'm going to call it The Problem with Miscellaneous. Mm Mm-hmm. Miscellaneous is, oh goodness. Anyway, it's just too easy to stick stuff in miscellaneous and then it has no actual meaning and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, (laughs) um, so my friend Jennifer has been listening to my podcasts again. Um, She stopped for a while because she's like, "Mm, I feel like when I listen to your podcast, then when we talk, I already know everything you're saying. And anyway, but she's been listening to it again. And she said, "Uh, you know, you say blah, blah, blah all the time. She says it too. So whatever. Anyway, I am talking to Divya today uh, in this, and I think you're really going to love our conversation. I loved it so much. Um, So we talk about, you know, like sorting things and and the miscellaneous and, and dealing with an overall problem room that you feel like you never get to in the five minute pickup. But I also just love the way that um, Divya expresses some of the, like, we talk about math, you guys, it's crazy, but she's like super smart. And she kind of gives a really interesting perspective on the things that we talk about here on the podcast all the time, like, you know, dishes and laundry and progress and only progress as opposed to feeling like you have to be done in order to you're going to be able to be done in order to get started anyway. um, But yeah, that's what we're gonna talk about. I did want to address the fact that everybody said that my voice sounded really weird in last week's podcast. I have no idea what happened you guys. Like I don't even know but I do want to acknowledge that yes, something was weird that really was me. That's one of the things I heard is people saying they thought maybe it was someone other than me. And then they were trying to identify different inflections and ways of saying things that I say. And so they were like, well, that is Dana, but it doesn't sound anything like her. I personally found thought it sounded like I was holding in a burp. Like I only listened to a little bit of it because I was like, ah, anyway, so I don't know what happened there. I hope it doesn't happen again. Who even knows? Whatever. Um, but yeah, so this is podcast number 269, the problem with miscellaneous. And um, I think that's all I have to say before we say here's Divya. Hi, Divya. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Well, good. Good. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for being willing. Um, So tell me a little bit about your unique life situation. Let's see. Well, I have three kids. I have an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a one-year-old, and we homeschool, so I'm home with them. Okay. We're pretty cautious about the COVID stuff, so we're pretty home even beyond that these days. We're oh, yeah. pretty much at home. All the time, nonstop. No. <laughs> no, I get yeah, it. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tell me your kids age, age again. Ages? Eight, five, and one. Okay. So the eight and the five, is the five-year-old doing kindergarten now or? No, so we homeschool. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, tell me um, what strategy has had the biggest impact on your home? It's the dishes, which I guess everyone says, but it it really was that even though I didn't think I had a problem with dishes and we always had clean dishes and, but still I definitely got something out of doing it every night instead of when the dishwasher filled up. So how, like why have you figured out why that made it easier? Just that 
rhythm yeah of it? so so yeah definitely the rhythm of it and I think the way I would put it is it made me see habits in a different light than I'd seen habits before okay so I think before I'd seen well okay the benefit of doing a habit is like that you're used to doing it sort of in some vague sense and then maybe you'll do it more because you have been doing it but I think what I realized is there's a, and, and you laid out this clearly in a lot of your posts, but there's a bunch of specific information I get from doing something regularly that I just didn't have before. Like ah. I have a sense of, well, okay, really how full does the dishwasher get from one day's worth of dishes? And how long does it take me to load it and unload it when there's only one day's worth of dishes? And how many days am I going to think, okay, I'll just do this. And how many days am I going to think, okay, well, uh, I just, the nighttime and I still haven't loaded the morning's dishes. So I think I got a lot of information and partly getting that from the dishes, I think I, I generalized some and I thought, okay, well, this is sort of how habits work is that you get a lot of information that you didn't otherwise have. And so I think that made it seem less like I'm trying to make myself do something and more like, okay, well, if I actually do do this, then I, I know all these things I didn't know before. I, I love that. So it, the understanding is significantly different because it, well, it's kind of like when, okay, <laughs> just this analogy that I'm thinking, but like, you know, as somebody who directs plays and things like that, I love, love when I put that in quotes, when people are like, oh, I did um, Annie when I was in the fourth grade, as if they fully understand every, you know, the, I mean, that's the way it comes across. And I think that's the thing is like, you're like, oh, well, I know what it means to do dishes, you know, like, right. Of course I've done the dishes. What's the big deal? But the doing it getting in there and making it something that you're doing consistently. I love that. So you fully grasp that, that understanding of the, the details and what works. Yeah. A lot more than I did before. And, and the same with the laundry, which is the other thing. Again, and I didn't think I had a problem with laundry, but mm -hmm. I do it every Monday now and that's better. So how, how does it make your life better? Look, it's like, I think I know about how much laundry we use in every week. And I know about how long it takes me to fold a week's worth of laundry. Mm -hmm. And I know when all the clothes are washed, do they fit in the drawers? And I know, like you said, I know, like, I know what my kids pick when all their clothes are available. And yeah, I have a bunch of information that I didn't, I didn't have before. And what, also what I pick, like, what do I reach for when all my clothes are clean? And what percentage of my clothes do I even use when all my clothes are clean all the time? Right. And that experience is what shows you that. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. I love it. Okay. So what kind of things do you want to talk about? Okay. So I have a room that I do not, it seems like a problem to me and I call it the kid room, which I'm not even sure that's what it's supposed to be called, but we have a kid room. Okay. So my eight-year-old has her own room and nobody sleeps in this room because the five-year-old and the one-year-old sleep in our bed, but we keep most of the toys in the kid room. And on the one hand, it's better than when we were keeping most of the toys in the living room okay. because now the mess is in that room, which I prefer. But on the other hand, I don't, it doesn't feel like the room is really working. Okay. And I'd like some help with that. Um, okay. So I, my personal experience with the dream of a playroom, I, I mean, that was when, when we moved into this house, my kids were like in utero and then two and four. I mean, so, you know, they were right at that age where I was like, I have to have a playroom because in my mind, it was going to solve all of our problems to have a room where all the toys were. And yes, it does make the uh, living room definitely better because I have a place to throw things, except my problem was, and I'm not saying this is your problem, but my problem was that I would literally throw things into 
the playroom. And so it didn't, it, it wasn't what I imagined, like, you know, when I set it up. So how do your kids use that room? Like how, how right. is the room functioning right now? Yeah. So I think it works well for some things. My okay. eight-year-old currently doesn't use it because she keeps the toys that she really likes in her room. So okay. I, I guess that's fine. Then my five-year-old will use it to, like he knows like they're the army guys and stuff. Some of that, some of his favorite toys are in there. And so sometimes he'll want to play with them and he'll say, let's play army guys. And then we can go get them and we know where they are. A lot of the time they're mostly away. And then my one-year-old, she goes in there a lot. She, I, she knows that a lot of things are in there and she'll just wander in there and she'll grab stuff and she'll grab things off the shelves and then she'll take them. And sometimes she'll play with them in there and sometimes she'll bring them out to the living room and play with them there. They will do, one of the things I thought I would end up using it for is like, well, my, my five-year-old could go in there and play with Legos or something and close the door. And then the one-year-old won't try to get them. But that doesn't actually really end up happening because at least at his age, he doesn't want to play with Legos on his own. He wants to play with Legos with me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we do it, but it doesn't usually work that well for me to go in there with him and then close the door and then the one-year-old's outside. Right. So you imagined it being a functional room and instead it's more of a storage room? Is that correct? It's more of a storage. It's a combination. The one-year-old does sometimes play in there. It's a storage okay. room and it's sometimes the one-year-old plays in there. Okay. And is there open, are there times when you know, you work like crazy in there and clear it and then the kids do play in there more or I know that's a lot of parents' experiences is like, okay, everything's put away, there's open space and then all of a sudden the kids love this area. That's, I would say that's not really been my experience. Okay. Okay. I mean, we do sometimes clean it up and it's nice, but I don't notice a dramatic difference then. Okay. So really it's, I mean, the one-year-old, they're going to play wherever there's toys, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's mostly being a storage space. It, how big is the room? It's pretty small. So we, we live in San Francisco, so okay. that, that's more normal to have smaller rooms. I don't know in terms of square feet, but like, I mean, we could put a bed in there, but if we put a bed in there, there wouldn't be that much other space. However, there's a bunch of closet space. Okay. There's a big closet and it didn't have any shelves at first, but when we got the room, we, we added shelves. So yeah, there's a lot of storage space in the room, but not that much floor space anyway. Okay, let's take a moment to talk about a sponsor, Preptish. You guys, I've been talking about them here on the podcast for years. So here's what they are in case you have not tried them yet. Um, They're a healthy subscription-based meal planning service that just flat out makes life easier. So here's what's unique about Preptish as a meal planning service. The plan that you get each week isn't just a list of meals and recipes. You get detailed instructions for a prep day where you spend like one to three hours doing the prep work for the week. And then on the day that you eat the meal, it all goes together super fast because the prep work is already done. So we're not talking about like completely cooking the meals and then just warming them up. No, it's doing the prep work for these meals so that then it's super fast to make them fresh on the night that you eat them. I don't know about you guys, but I have been using a lot of mental energy lately, keeping up with everything, school, but then also virtual days, but then also people involved in things, you know, whether you're working from home or driving into the office, if your kids are learning at home or at school or both, y'all, it's not easy remembering everything. And now it's the holiday season. 
What in the world, you guys? How did that already happen? Anyway, that's why I like Prep Dish. They make healthy eating realistic and possible because they do all the mental planning work for you. Here's what one of my listeners says said about Prep Dish. I do it. I love it. I mostly use it as a way to lighten the mental load of groceries. It gives me a base to start from to make sure that I'm trying new foods. So if you want to free up some mental energy, try letting Prep Dish take over your meal planning. Head to prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean and you can get a free two week trial. Again, that is prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean for a free two week trial. Okay. As a storage space, how under control does it stay? It's sort of a mix. And I have a lot of questions about this because in terms of, you know, containers, there is enough space to put everything away, but I think it's definitely above our clutter threshold the way we're doing it. But then it seems sort of overwhelming to me. Like there's so many categories of things. And I will say, I also have found your strategies for how to go through things with kids and what questions to ask them really helpful overall. However, when I ask my kids, where would you look for us? They always say, well, on the shelf. Okay. And I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it has to go somewhere on the shelf, but they don't have a more specific answer than that ever. I mean, mean, do you ask for which shelf or... Like, and they don't seem to have good answers. Okay. How have you worked through the, just those first three steps? Like, okay, we're going to go through and get all the trash out. I'm going to go through everything without, without asking the decluttering questions, without analyzing, without trying to make this perfect. I'm just going to go through everything and say, what in here is either trash, doesn't belong in here or like, oh yeah. So I do. Totally yeah. Yeah. I do. And it's, it's not like it's perfect. And I find that it takes when it's stuff that the kids care about, it takes a long time because I, I mm-hmm. do want to involve them, but they don't have a lot of stamina for it. So if I get, you know, a pile of like old pictures that they very much cared about at one point, and now I don't know if they do, they will go through them with me, but they'll do it for a few minutes. And then I, and then they sort of done. And so it sometimes can be slow, but we do do it. And it does help to get the trash out and to get the stuff that belongs somewhere else out. Like when you say you're going through pictures or whatever, are you using the container concept physically during that process? So for that, we have, it's actually great. There are these, um, these frames that go on our wall where there's one picture in the front and then you can store a bunch of extra pictures behind them. Oh, cool. So those are our containers. So that, you know, we can say, okay, well, we only have this many frames that we can actually display things, but we can stick a bunch of things behind them. And I like that. I mean, they are there and I do have to deal with them eventually but they're, you know, they're, they're contained and that's nice. Sometimes we have piles. And so yeah, that's the container is either we put them up on the wall or they have to fit behind the frames. Okay. And what about with toys? Have you used the, like, okay, let's say this is the, this is the shelf where, okay, you said you're going to look on the shelf. So we're going to make this shelf the, I don't know, army men shelf. And so if this is the army men shelf, do you have like a, a tub there or something that the army men go in? yeah, I think this is part of my problem is what do I do when I have a whole bunch of different containers and a whole bunch of things and I'm not really even sure what to put in which container. So yeah, right now we have the army, army men in a bin and there have been times when I'll say, okay, we have some play food and I want to put them in this bin and let's fill it. And then, you know, and then that's mm-hmm. how much play food we're going to keep. And that has worked, but it seems to me like I'm missing a step where, well, how do I know that the play food should go in in this size bin? We have all sorts of different things and the shelf and it seems like there are too many options. Okay. So look at the size of the room, the overall size of the room. Um, if you can, um, is there anything that your kids just don't play with this category of item that you just wanted them to play with? And so you can just get rid of that completely. Or 
you know, there, yeah, there are, there are some things like that. And we also, we have storage space upstairs. So there's some things that, okay, nobody's playing with. I, you know, I ask them, can I get rid of it? And then I can get rid of it. And there are other things nobody's playing with right now, but it's sort of like it's for a specific age and maybe somebody will later and then I'll store it. So I do try to do that. And again, I'm not, I don't think I'm perfect at that, but I do try to get stuff out of there. Mm-hmm. And I think part of my issue is that we do have enough storage space. So that's not really the, I can fit everything on the shelves, mm-hmm. but it's still a lot of work to clean it up right. when it gets out. Right. Did you re- listen to the recent one about using a five minute pickup to help yes. you identify your clutter threshold? Okay. I did. And I think, and maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I just need to accept it, but I think I don't, it seems to me like five minutes is never going to be enough. I can spend five minutes in my house, picking up my house and never even get to the playroom. Mm-hmm. But what about a five minute pickup in the playroom? Like, okay, kids, we're taking five minutes in here. We're not, you know, this is its own yeah. thing. And let's put so you do a separate one. Right. Which is hard to do when you haven't necessarily designated exactly, you know, where everything's going. So it, it is a process. It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you talk about, okay, which container, how big of a container, it, it really all comes down to this is the size of the room. This is the amount of floor space, ideally, that... I would like to have open in here for anybody who eventually did decide they wanted to do their Legos in here or for the one-year-old or whatever, you know, this is my floor space. So that means I have these shelves and this thing, you know, this closet, and I would like for things to fit on that. You know, it's, you know, I don't know Mm -hmm. the room and you decide ultimately. And then that room or that, that closet with the shelving, that's a container. And if you want all your toys with teeny tiny parts to fit in there, then those shelves are the container that then fit a certain number of bins and those bins become, okay, you know, like, and part of the problem for me was that I had so many different categories of items that I might fill up bins and then fill up the shelves and then have, you know, six more categories of items that didn't have a bin at all for them. Right. And so then it becomes an issue of, okay, we don't have the space for these things. Is there something up here that's in a bin that you really don't play with that, but you would really like to keep these things. And then we can donate everything in that bin, you know, like if there's a category of item or something um, like that, or it becomes a thing where you say, I'd, I'd rather keep both hot wheel cars and, you know, plastic vegetables. <laughs> I'm just trying to randomly think of yeah. examples, but I want to keep both of those things. So let's put them in smaller bins so that they can fit in this container that is the shelf that's in the closet, you know? Um, okay. Wait, I, I yeah. think I have a different question. Can I ask a okay. question yes. in a slightly different mm-hmm. way? Sure. So again, I think, as I said, everything can fit in on our shelf, I would say. Okay. I, mean, I guess I have the Duplos in a bag on the floor, which I think works okay. So I don't think that the space is really a constraint. I guess I feel like there's some sort of mental overhead of trying to understand what we even have that is separate from space. Does that make sense? Okay. Like I have a bucket full of toys that we don't really know where to put them. And there's space for it on the shelf. But I think... and I, Like I think a random kids. A bucket full yeah. of random stuff? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I end up not knowing where to put them even though there is space to put them. Okay. Does that makes sense. And so I think if there's something I find mentally draining about like 
what do I even do with this? And I, I think that's true for my kids too when they're trying to clean up. Yes. So is there something like container concept in terms of categories I can hold in my head, not just space on my shelf? Is like, is that a thing? Yeah, I think to me personally, the miscellaneous box is a trap for me. Because when I have a miscellaneous or a random or whatever kind of a, that's where I put all this stuff, I have no idea what's in there. And just the existence of the miscellaneous box is like, maybe I just, maybe it's a laziness thing for me, but I'm like, I would rather stick it in the miscellaneous box than think through which box it's supposed to go in that actually, I I don't know. And so the miscellaneous Mm -hmm. box ends up with stuff in it that maybe could go somewhere else, or it's just, it's it's basically like a keep box, you know, for in my kids' uh, rooms, I eventually just got rid of toy boxes of, um, really the miscellaneous box, you know, we just, because, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't necessarily that that's a bad thing. I mean, I think you can have that if you can handle it, but for me, it drove me crazy, you know, and I okay. couldn't handle it because it was too tempting to make it a dumping box, you know, just like everything random got thrown in there that, you know, it's kind of that same concept of the, um, donate box needing to be donatable because if it's donatable, then I'm forced to make a final decision about it. I can't just put it into, you know, or if I have like a keep box where I'm going to go distribute things later, I'm not making a final decision. And if I'm not forced to make a final decision, then I don't actually make a final decision. And so, Mm -hmm. but it's tough because there might be legitimate things that your kids really do want to play with that they don't have, you know, 10 of to put all together. But I, I think being very cautious of that, you know, can you, diminish the size of it. If you have lots of containers, can you say, okay, I'm going to do a much smaller box of miscellaneous until we can maybe get it down or, or store that miscellaneous box for a little while and see what they miss, see what they, you know, see how much easier it is to clean up. I I don't know. It's just a tough thing. I think it's something for you to experiment with and figure out, you know, how can we ultimately eliminate the stuff? So like what's in your random box? Okay, so this is a hard question. I think, so currently we don't have a box for the little cars, which I've been thinking I should create one, but so currently any of the smaller cars are in the miscellaneous box. Okay. And we do, we have a bunch of musical instruments, but some of them are upstairs and stored and they're kind of all over the place. So if I see something, like I have a bell, I think in the miscellaneous box, I think I have something like another maybe um, glockenspiel or or xylophone glockenspiel in the miscellaneous box. So, okay. Another thing is I have, I have a closet in the upstairs hallway closet where I've been keeping the little toys, like little figurines and stuff. And I, I'm not really sure that makes any sense either. It used to make a lot of sense because for a while my daughter would go up there and she wanted to play without her brother. And that was the stuff she would like to play with. And she had a friend that came over every week and they would play up in that closet for hours and had a dollhouse And it was great. And it was great because the little toys were in this small enclosed space and they weren't all over the living room. So they go up there, but if they migrate downstairs, then it's true instead of, because I know it's one of those things where I know I should maybe take it there right now, but often it's a cause of big disruption to my life. If I leave all the kids downstairs and go to a totally different part of the house with some toys. So I, I end up putting them in there too. Into the miscellaneous. 
Yes, they end up often in the miscellaneous box. Okay. And are you saying that they don't necessarily get played with as regularly as they used to? Yeah, I think, and I have tried to go through them and declutter them and we've gotten rid of some things, but yeah, they're mostly sitting in that closet and nobody's currently playing with them that much. Yeah, I I would look at um, consolidating with it, you know, look at the random box as its own decluttering project, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure that no trash or no, I mean, obviously that's easy stuff. If you have an established space somewhere else, that becomes an easy thing. Now, if you find that things that she used to play with in that closet are now ending up in the living room and the playroom more often then maybe the closet is not the place for that anymore. You know, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I, I would look at that and then the consolidating step of putting all your musical instruments together, those things, if those come out of there, how much would be left in the random box? Okay. So to try to reduce the random box as much as possible, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think when I think also what's in there, it's like, things that were part of a set that I don't know, like my, my son had something with some trucks and stuff, but it also had these weird screws and some other stuff that like, it used to make sense as part of a set, but now it doesn't. And I, I, sometimes my kids will say, yeah, yeah, let's get rid of those. And sometimes they aren't around and I pick them up and I think, I don't know if they care about this or not. And I'll put it in a miscellaneous box. If it's screws and things, would he play with that? stuff still in a different situation? Do you, so we you... have a toolbox area, mm-hmm. but there's a specific thing I'm, I don't know if that's a good example, but uh, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you buy something as a set where you yes. get some characters and you get a little thing that you build and it's often kind of flimsy. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they really do keep the characters, but that sort of whole thing that they built, they maybe never really built it again. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, I do. But if it's, and I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but if it screws... Yeah. And it's something that he, if he's going to play with that, he's playing with it as a building type item. So putting it with the tool stuff would make sense. And then the tool stuff can be a container and that makes it easier to ask him, hey, these are for when you play building, but they don't fit in here. Is there anything in here that you want to get rid of so that we can fit these in there? And that might help him go, oh, well, Actually, I don't really use those. I use these instead. You know, like there's just that natural right. separation that, that comes along. That makes sense. Let's take a moment to talk about one of our sponsors, ButcherBox. Thanksgiving is in just a few weeks, y'all. Are you the type who has already started making your grocery list or do you wait until the last minute? Y'all, this Thanksgiving, today's sponsor, ButcherBox, is giving you something extra to be grateful for. Right now, they're offering new members a free turkey. Meat from ButcherBox is delicious and it's convenient. With ButcherBox, you never have to worry about being without something to cook for dinner because there's always meat in your freezer. ButcherBox is the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat. With ButcherBox, you get the highest quality meat around for just $6 a meal. And they even have free shipping nationwide, except for Alaska and Hawaii. Sorry. I love getting my butcher box. It arrives on my doorstep and all the meat is frozen and ready to go straight into my freezer. It's really simple and easy. Right now, ButcherBox is offering new members a turkey for free in their first box. That's an entire turkey for free in your first box. Just go to butcherbox.com slash slob. That's butcherbox.com slash slob. Yeah, I I think Random and miscellaneous is, is a dangerous spot for people like me. 
<laughs> so, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't ever want to, you know, say that. No, sure. I struggle that, with that too, but, but it is, I mean, that's where, because also what's the limit on miscellaneous, you know, like, well, I mean, it is, it is a bucket. So right. it does all fit in there. And if it didn't, then, right. Then that would be, that would be a cue to, okay, well, we have to go through right. it. But for me personally, it was miscellaneous. It was extra easy for me to say, okay, well, then I'll get another and then I'll start another thing of miscellaneous, you know. Does that help at all? I don't know. I think so, yeah. Okay. I I think perhaps the most helpful thing, and this just sounds really, well, that makes a lot of sense when you say it, is, well, I should do a separate five-minute pickup just for the playroom. Yeah. If the normal pickup, we aren't really getting to the playroom. Because I do try to start with the visible areas and then I think, okay, well the playroom isn't that visible. I could always close the door. Well, and, and I think too, um, as a mom, especially when they're little, you're like, oh, I want to build this habit of picking up the playroom. You know, I, I really want, you know, like that was always my thing is like, why don't we have a habit of this, you know? And as far as like figuring out if there's a problem in your house to try to solve that problem every single day for a week, you know, that that's kind of the same concept of saying, this week, we're going to really focus on having five minute pickups as often as I could think of it, you know, to help just in this, you know, this space, that's kind of that same, same idea of, you know, let's, let's get this down to where we can realistically do that. And, and do your kids, like, are they able on their own to go pick up and put everything away in there? Or is it something where you do need to be there with them? It's definitely not everything. There's some things that they know. Yeah. And oh, and also over time, I've learned that the bins do need to be clear because otherwise yes. the kids have no idea what's in them. And this took me a long time to learn. Yeah. But yeah, so when there's a category with a bunch of stuff like that already in it, I mean, the one-year-old doesn't really, of course, yeah. doesn't really help. But the, and the eight-year-old, as I said, is mostly in her own room. But the five-year-old, yeah, he'll put the play food in the food box and he'll put the army guys in the army guy box and some things like that he can do. But then if there's a lot of stuff on the floor, I'll say, well, okay, can you pick up the Duplos? And he'll say, well, I don't know where the Duplos are. Okay, well, they're here and here and here and here. <laughs> yeah. And then he can do it. So yeah, it's, it's not something yeah. where they can do it on their own, though they have some idea. Yeah. Well, and every time that you do that together, every time that you do a guided five-minute thing together we'll move them closer to the day where they actually can do it. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen next week or next month or even next year, but you know, it's all going to be training them to do that. So, okay. Anything else on that? Well, okay. I guess another thing is I have a table in there and I don't, I'm wondering if maybe I should either get rid of or store the table. There's, there's, there's some high shelves that, are, nobody can really access very often anyway, and I could put the table there. I, I'm starting to think maybe that my vision for how the table could get used is something I should try not having the table. That's I'm a big thought. fan of taking out large pieces of furniture. Like it's, it's amazing to me. And sometimes like I've actually got a chair right now that I have bumped into so many times. And just today I went, I need to take that out completely, you know, because when I yeah. do that, I'm always surprised at, oh, I just like this space so much more when it doesn't have this large item that was never actually being used for what it was there for. Yeah. And we, I mean, you know, I used it yesterday. It's not like we never use it, but, but I think we have other options and that, so that's on my mind. Yeah. Well, and especially if you have a place to put it, to store it where it's not, you know, taking up space that something else needs, then you can try it. You can experiment with it. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you I want to talk about? Those were the main things. I kind of got I through had. several of your questions, right? I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Most, 
Yeah, I think that's mostly it. Well, tell me, um, I do want to talk about your algorithm thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, go ahead. I just thought that was fun. So (laughs) I studied computer science in college and there's just a, I just want to share that there's a name for, you know, there are different types of algorithms for accomplishing things. And some of them really only work if they get to finish. And some of them are the ones you use when you're not sure how much time you're going to have. And it keeps getting better and it'll keep, and then you can stop it whenever you stop it. And it's better than it was before. And that's called an anytime algorithm. And I thought, well, that's, that's like what data talks about with the decluttering. I love that. That's really cool. So like, how would that algorithm work on in computer science? Um, I don't know that I have a great example, but um, like, okay, so let's say you're trying to think of, of uh, the best move to make in a game, right? So it could be that, you know, you have some list of the games that you're, of the moves that you could possibly make in the game, and you're keeping track always of, well, this is the best one we've found so far. And then if you have to end early, well, then you could do that one. So something like that. So doing things set up that only work if you can finish versus things that are always going to make progress even. Or yeah. Or like I have a friend um, who did, used to do math competitions. And I remember he said that was sort of what he did. And he'd look at the problem and think, okay, well, if this is the sort of problem that could be solved in one minute, what might the solution be? And then maybe that wouldn't work. And he'd say, okay, well, if this is the sort of problem that could be solved in 10 minutes, what could those solutions be? Like, okay, well, if this is the sort of problem that could be solved in half an hour, then what are all those things that it might be? And so that way, if it really is something fast, then he's done with it quickly. Whereas, I mean, and maybe that sounds like, well, well doesn't everybody do that? But, but actually, I don't think so. I think sometimes I'll look at a math problem and I'll think, okay, well, I have an idea. This might be it, but that would take me, you know, 10 minutes to figure out if that was a promising strategy. And so this guy would say, well, you can't do that. But first, try anything that seems like a promising strategy that you could do in only one minute. Oh, I love it. Are you saying that doing the dishes and things has a relationship with math? I think it does. That maybe dishes math is an actual real thing. (laughs) Okay. So can I say one more thing about that? Of course. Okay. So have you, um, have you ever looked into neurolinguistic programming? No, I have not. Okay. So, um, there's a lot to say about that, but one of the things is they would ask people and this is, this is like so many of your things. They'd ask people who do things right, sort of what their basic concepts are. And then they'd ask the people who are really struggling what their basic concepts are. And they'd see that they would give really different answers. So for, there's one that I always think of, and I'm not totally sure I'm remembering this right, but it was something like they'd ask people who are really good at marksmanship, like, okay, well, what, what are some things you believe about the gun? And they say, well, the gun is my friend. And, you know, the gun is whatever. And then they ask people who are bad at it. And they say, the gun is unpredictable, fundamentally unpredictable. And like, I don't really, and things like that. And so it's sort of like, you know, is the container a place to put stuff or is the container something that it's sets limit. a natural limit on yeah. how much you can have? And the people don't even notice that these things are super, they're thinking about it very differently. And one of the things is, is like closing the loop on stuff. So because I, and what you really trust or not, because it's like, does my brain believe that this is going to work? Seems like such an important thing because doing something that might not work is this really draining experience. Yes. Whereas doing, doing something that I know will work, even if it might take a while, tends to be more energizing, right? Yes, absolutely. And so I think, I think there's, there's something about the, the beliefs of the people that can do these things well, where it's not just that they're more functional, but that they provide like a tighter feedback loop where then people know, can keep believing that they're going to work. If that makes sense. It does. It does. I'm wrapping my brain around it, but yes. 
And I think, you know, people who are, you know, have, uh, tend to have lots of attention span and op- empty time in their life can say, okay, well, I, of course, if I take everything out and I organize it and I put it back, well, of course that'll work. It's always worked for me. And then other people uh, that doesn't necessarily work for. So I, I see your approach as part of it is copying the beliefs of people who think about this stuff in functional ways, like the container concept. And part of it is, okay, well, people who don't have, whose brains work a different way, what are some different functional concepts that have a tighter feedback loop so that we can believe that it really does work? And then the process becomes energizing instead of demoralizing. Right. Like the visibility rule to see immediate progress so that it does not feel like I've done this and I don't actually experiencing experience the benefit of it. Because what's the point of doing it again if I haven't experienced the benefit? So the more that I can make visible progress, the more likely I am to go longer. Like if I make visible progress in a short amount of time, I am so much more likely to work for a long amount of time. Yes. And it used to, I used to really think about it. That was so helpful for me because I think without having really realized that I thought this, it seems sort of dishonest to me to work on the visible parts first. Like what? I want everybody to think that my floor is clean, but it won't be unless I've really (laughs) swept under the couch. So I better start under the couch because otherwise it's sort of deceptive. Interesting. I think that's really silly. No, it's, I know what what you're saying because I think, I think that's something we have to get over is like, Sometimes when you see the person who this does come naturally to and their house looks totally clean. And so you just assume that everything is clean. Like you assume that they got all the way under all of that stuff and that it's so thorough. When in reality, I have talked to so many people who are like, oh my goodness, I never even moved my couch. You know, like they are just more concerned about having the visible parts. Like that person who told me um, years and years ago before I ever started this, she was like, if your floors are clean, people think your house is clean. And it was just right. such a bizarre thing in my brain. I was like, but it's not enough for people to think my house is clean. It has to actually be clean. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's nice if all the other stuff is clean too, but, right. Right. but it wasn't leading to that, right? I wasn't right. then actually starting under the couch and cleaning everything every day. I wasn't doing that. Because the moving the couch is so overwhelming. Yeah, it's, it's very tiring to do that. Yeah. And it was not, it was not working. And legitimately, there are times when you do not have the time to move the couch. And so even though I might have time to vacuum the rug, if I can't move the couch too, I would also not vacuum the rug. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know what you're saying. I think, I think. Yeah. No, I don't think so. You explain it much more scientifically than I do. (laughs) And I love it. Like I I once read a different book. It's one of the few books I've read other than yours that I it seemed like it was written by someone who was not naturally organized that said when the, the, the sight lines, when you first walk into a room, like there's a messy part, <laughs> put it where you don't see it when you first walk in the room. Yes. I thought, wow, I never, never would have thought of that. Well, that's like my mother-in-law whose house was always neat, like always, always, always. And this is somebody who I would go to her house with zero notice and it always was neat. And, you know, things would come up and she was like, oh, I just stuff things in cabinets all the time. And then like that, that was just part of how she did things. And I I don't know that that's necessarily true because her stuffing in cabinets when I cleaned out her house was not equivalent to what I would do if I was just stuffing everything in cabinets. But yeah, like I... But she was clear on her priorities that she wanted the visible things to look good. And it wasn't about 
some sort of weird impulse to make sure that everything invisible looks good before the visible things are allowed to look good. Right. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Love it. Thank you so much. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, Yeah. I just have really appreciated all of your work. It feels really like, like even, I mean, yes, the cleaning, but also just one of the better looks I've gotten into somebody really understanding how their brain works, whose brain works kind of like mine. And I, I don't, I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. I think it's, I would say that reading your stuff has helped me understand habits in general, not just for cleaning. And okay, here's one more thing. And this is so interesting. So I sometimes do animal training stuff. Like I have dogs and cats and I, I teach them things. And one of the things that they sometimes say is, so sometimes your animal can get a trick or whatever, a new behavior right away. And that's fine. You know, reinforce it. That's great. Give them a treat, whatever. But if you teach something in a lot of little steps, then it gives you something to go back and rebuild from if the behavior falls apart and you don't know why. Ah. So like if I teach my dog, okay, well, he just lay down and then I, I taught him to do that and there, was no, there were no intermediate steps. He's either lying down or he's not lying down. And then I take him outside and go, well, now he's not doing it. Then I could, you know, I mean, that's fine. There are ways to do it. However, if I taught him, for, you know, to crouch and to do this and to shape in a bunch of approximations, then when he's going outside, he might still remain, retain some of them. Okay. And then we can go from there, which, which is a thing that really I like about all of your recommendations because it, it degrades really gracefully. Like, okay, so everything's falling apart, but I know where to start. Yes. And so it's not like, it really helps a lot with this whole all or nothing thing with it, which I think is such a big challenge for people who struggle with this stuff. And if I know, okay, well, I have an order. First do the dishes. And for me, it's the dishes. And then the laundry, because those things, the house won't function if I don't do them, or right. at least not really as well. And then after that, then I do the five-minute pickup. And then after I've done that, for me, the checking the bathrooms for clutter, I don't know, our bath, we don't, nobody really tends to bring stuff in the bathroom, so I don't do that. And then after that, I think about weekly cleaning tasks, basically. And it's been, I have an order in my head that makes sense, which is so much better to me than not for when life gets more difficult, which, you know, and and everything is always changing with all the different kids, different ages. It is. And I, you know, I, I look back sometimes and I think I did a laundry day at one point when my kid, when my boys were little bitty and it was working, but then life changed and I hadn't understood why it worked. I hadn't, and I didn't take it to the, like, I thought I had to restart and figure everything out again differently but I like what you're saying about those because things are broken down so much. It's like, well, the dishes are the dishes, no matter what laundry, the system works for me, no matter what, even when I'm, you know, gone from seven in the morning till six o'clock at night. Um, just having a laundry day gives me, it's what works for my brain. And so it's something that, you know, I can adjust according to whatever unique situation comes up. Yeah. And I I think with my, I think the specific thing, and this is talking with you has made this more clear is with my kids, especially my five-year-old is I think the information I really need to know is when he knows, when he's aware of all the toys he has, then what does he pick? Because I think I don't really know that because he goes into the playroom and sometimes he sees stuff, but then some things are, are there, but he doesn't see them. And then he might think of them later, but he might not. And then there's always sort of some excitement of, oh, well, I didn't know I had that. So now I want to play with it. So it's not like, but, but if every day he knew what he had, what would he keep reaching for? Kind of like laundry. Yes. With, Same like, thing. with the laundry. I mean, yeah. if, if everything, if you were doing the five-minute pickup in that room 
on a daily basis, it would start to become clear to you and most likely to him as well. These are the things that are always being picked up and put away. And I have never even touched that stuff up there. Who knows right. if that would and make him willing to get rid of it or not, but. Well, over time. So I, I started out with multiple kids who say, I need that piece of trash. I need that piece of packaging. No, you can't get rid of that rock that I found outside. And I tried to keep all that stuff, but I, I'm impressed over the years. And you know what actually clicked for me about that? It's so funny. It was not the section about decluttering with kids. It was about, it was the section about decluttering with people that aren't your kids. And I realized the exact thing you were saying not to do is what I'd be doing. And I'd pick something that to me looked like trash. I thought, I thought I was okay, start with trash. But to them, I was picking one of their beloved possessions and saying, oh, you don't want this, do you? And so it would start out on a very bad note, whatever I did that, even though I thought it was trash. So that was a light bulb moment for me when I learned not ever to start with the, uh, and now it's been a long time and we've built up some trust. And so now I can say, you know, to my eight-year-old, okay, well, this looks like trash, right? You don't, you don't need this. And we're more on the same page. But at first we were not on the same page about what ought to be in that category. I love that. And I think the trust factor is huge. And I, I hope that gives hope to those who are at the beginning and have only had negative, unsuccessful decluttering sessions with people in their families to realize there is yeah. a way, it, like it, it will build. But, but you're right, like that starting with the, you get to make all the decisions, but we're also going to accept the realities of the space that we have. Yeah, and I, it, it, I am, I'm this sort of mom who, if it's theirs and they say they don't want to get rid of it, I don't get rid of it. And it, it did eventually work. They were eventually, like, I don't know, the other day with my daughter, um, I thought, okay, well, this is sort of a big box, all these baby dolls, but they're not really, this is a bulky item and they don't really fit in the box. So do you need all these? And first she said, yeah, yeah I need all of them. And I said, okay, well, let's lay them out and look at them. And then she said, okay, well, not those, 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 and those. But, all right. I never, you know, I was, it's not how it used to be. That's great. That's encouraging. I love hearing that. That's really fun. Are you going to let them listen to this? I don't know if they'll be interested. They can if they want. <laughs> They're very particular about it. They don't want me telling any, you know, anything too personal about them. But I, I think the things that I've said are things that they'll be okay with. That's fun. I love it. Well, tell me what you love about being a kindred spirit. Oh, yeah. So well, I think my favorite thing so far is I've gotten to talk to you about this. Oh, this is that fun. is really excellent. But also I like the, the Facebook group. And the fact that everyone in there is so friendly and great. And, you know, and they show their before pictures that, actually are the, you know, like the sort of before pictures that somebody really has trouble with this stuff might have. And it, it's nice to know. And it's, I know that if I post there, I've, I've posted there sometimes, and it's always been a really great experience. People have great ideas and they would never say anything mean. And so I, I know that I could post there. And then sometimes I read other people's things and I also get like a little, a little hit of, oh, that's nice. What I see, because there are a lot of pictures in there of like a really messy kitchen and then a pretty clean kitchen. So there, there are a few things. Very nice. I get to see great before and after pictures. And if I, I know that if I need help, it'll be not only helpful, but really nice about it. That's great. That's great. And I was going to ask you, I've been asking this, just out of curiosity, like how did you get introduced to A Slob Comes Clean? Yes. You know, it's funny. I, um, years ago, I think when my, when my eight-year-old was a baby, I thought, okay, well, I really sort of need to learn more about how to clean. And you're, I did come across your material. I thought, oh, well, I'm not a slob, though. So that doesn't apply to me. I hear that all the time. Yeah. And then the, right. So the first thing that, that made sense, oh, and also I was, I was scared that you were talking so much about, well, you have to get rid of things. I don't know. This is, 
Yeah. I don't know. I'm scared of a swim slob. I'm scared of getting rid of things. But I liked your teaching kids how to clean checklists quite a bit. And partly because I was, and this is the sort of person I am that I was like, well, how do I really, it's not like I didn't know how to clean a bathroom, but I was worried like, well, am I really doing it right? Mm-hmm. And so when you had your checklist, that really spoke to me. So that was the first thing of yours that I found, your, your Teaching Kids to Clean ebook. And I might have gotten it as part of some bundle or something. Right. So, so I started there. And then, and then I, I read a whole bunch of other books about cleaning and organizing. And some of them had things that were great for me. And eventually, I, you know, because the internet and blogs and things link up, eventually I found my way back around. I guess it was sometime last year. And it really it really made sense to me. And I bought your books and I started listening to your podcast and I started doing my dishes every night and I started doing my laundry on Mondays. And, and then once that was working for me, I thought, okay, well, this, this woman obviously knows something about <laughs> brains kind of like mine and how it all works. And then I tried to go back and, you know, read a bunch of the older posts. And it's, I've actually just started going back and listening to your early podcasts because I hadn't, I hadn't heard those and I'm looking for more things to listen to these days. That's fun. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been really fun. I, I love hearing your um, thought processes and just how things have actually functioned in your home and keep us updated on your, maybe you can update in the yeah. group and let us know, you I know, like, do that. you know, if you take the, of course, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out because I'm trying to kind of bank them to, you know, that makes sense, have ready, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I'd love to hear about how it goes. So thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, didn't you just love that conversation with Divya? Just fun things, interesting things to talk, to think about and just kind of perspectives that I really enjoyed from her. Okay, if you want to be a patron of the show, if you want to be a member of our super secret Facebook group, um, go to patreon.com slash a slob comes clean. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash a slob comes clean. Um, and that will give you the information on how to become a patron of the show. I did just want to say, guys, that the reason I am running these strategy sessions in a row, um, like usually I kind of do one or two a month, but I've been doing them all in a row. It's just that I am hard at work on something right now. And I just have to give myself the brain space to be able <laughs> to work on that. And so it just helps me a lot if I can run these strategy sessions. So that's one of the reasons why I have them is for them to be here on the podcast so that I can take some time where I don't have to think about a podcast for that week and I can work on something else because my brain is a container and it can only hold so much. And so, um, so I'm just really thankful for those, but Hey, the more I run, then the more that I get to do in the future. So if you become a patron and you fill out the form to apply to get to do one, then I guess that increases your chances. Anyway, Jennifer takes care of all of that for me. But anyway, all right, I will talk to you guys next week.